This is Diane Godfrey. This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. If you need legal representation, please consult an attorney. I do not have a law degree. Over the years, many people have contacted me seeking legal advice. I am flattered they elevated me to having a JD, which is a law degree, but I am not qualified to dispense any legal advice. This is All Rise with Diane Godfrey. True stories from inside the courthouse, from the lady who wrote everything down. Today, a special sidebar edition of All Rise, a look behind the scenes. Hey, Diane, what's the sidebar all about today? I can't wait. Oh, I've got a good one for you. People that dig themselves deeper in a hole, they come into the courthouse and they're already in the soup for one reason or another. And then their outrageous conduct digs the hole deeper and they get in more trouble. If you can believe that. I can. And let's go to town. Number one. One day, while we were busy working in the courtroom, someone slipped into the judge's lobby through a side door and stole the judge's wallet from his suit jacket. Now, you might be wondering why a judge wouldn't be wearing his suit jacket in the middle of a workday. Well, my guess is that wearing a big bulky robe would be uncomfortable with a suit jacket underneath. I've gotten a good look at these robes over the years, and they're made up of multiple folds of material. And I can't think it would be very much different than wearing a set of living room drapes all day long. So they leave their suit jacket hanging in the lobby when they're out on the bench. Security camera footage revealed that the culprit was a 20-something-year-old man who had been summonsed to court to answer charges on an unrelated criminal matter. I felt it ironic that a crime occurred in the very place where crimes are prosecuted, and the crime victim was the very person who has the authority to put offenders in jail. The perpetrator subsequently pled guilty to larceny, as well as multiple other offenses. Number two. There was one defendant who flatly refused to come out of his holding cell at the courthouse. To give you the backstory, every courthouse has what we call holding cells. Actually, we refer to them as the lockup. And during the day, that's where they're held until they're ready to be called into the courtroom to answer their charges. The holding cell looks like something you'd see on TV when you see the scene at the police station. It's the same thing. Anyway, detainees are transported from the House of Correction or the state prison by sheriff vans. Then they're escorted from the van into the courthouse, into the lockup, the holding cell, while they're shackled and handcuffed. Sometimes you'll see prisoners come handcuffed together in a row. Getting back to the defendant who refused to come out of his cell at the courthouse, the judge, his attorney, the court staff, they all tried to coerce him to come into the courtroom when his case was called. On the few occasions when they were able to persuade him to do so, he became so disruptive that they had to bring him back into the holding cell. He was being tried for murder, by the way. Anyway, this went on for months over multiple court proceedings. Everyone involved was exasperated as he had been given dozens of chances to cooperate. The Commonwealth had bent over backwards to appease this guy. It was finally agreed by everyone involved that they had no alternative but to try him for murder from the holding cell in the court where they ended up plunking down a television monitor screen in front of him in the cell and the murder trial was conducted without him actually being physically present in the courtroom. P.S. He was convicted of murder. Number three. The next crazy thing I saw isn't something I actually did see, but rather something I heard happening in the courtroom next to mine. 
As the jury was being led out of the courtroom after having delivered a guilty verdict in open court, without warning, the defendant turned and sucker-punched one of the male jurors in the face as he filed by. The juror ended up on the floor. I heard the commotion from my courtroom, and it sounded like a code blue had been called in a hospital. From that day forward, the policy changed, and when juries file in and out of courtrooms in Superior Court in Massachusetts, you'll see a line of court officers standing to act as a buffer between the defendant and the jury, so this will never happen again. Number four. One day, a male defendant came before the court in handcuffs. His superior court case was being addressed, but he kept asking the judge to address his charges he had in district court across the street. She calmly explained to him that because they were district court matters, she had no jurisdiction, nor did she have any information on those cases. He got so frustrated with her and the situation as the court officers led him out of the courtroom door to return to the lockup, he jumped up and body slammed the door with the side of his body, which caused the door to come off its hinges and the pane of glass that was in the door shattered into a thousand pieces. I immediately looked to the judge for a reaction, but there was no reaction. She seemed as cool as a cucumber. Other than instructing maintenance to come up and clean up the mess, no one said anything. She carried on as if nothing happened. Now, I don't know what she was thinking, and she certainly doesn't have to share with me or anyone else what's on her mind, but I find it hard to believe that she would let those actions go. For all I know, she referred the matter to the DA's office for new charges to be filed against him, or maybe she arranged to have a bill sent to him for the damage that he caused. Number five. One morning I was sitting at my desk transcribing, and I heard a commotion under my window. I was only on the third floor, so it was pretty close to the ground, and the way the exterior courtyard is sloped, my window was pretty close to the ground. From the screams I heard, I could tell something big was brewing, but I couldn't see anything due to the big AC that was in the window. The only way to see outside was to get a chair, stand on it, and crawl up on the windowsill to see. And this was an enormous windowsill. It was about four feet wide by four and a half feet across. But before I could do that, I heard a blood-curdling scream, and then what seemed to sound like police personnel. I ran down the stairs to get a look. A young man had just stabbed another young man right underneath my window. Apparently, they had just exited the courthouse and got into it because the stabber didn't like what the other kid had said in court about some case that they were involved with. So there you have it. Five examples of people digging their hole deeper. Diane, that was really cool. More to come, I assume? Absolutely. Before we close the courtroom door on this podcast, we remind you that All Rise with Diane Godfrey is available on all podcast platforms. We invite you to subscribe, download, rate, and review this podcast. You've been listening to All Rise with Diane Godfrey. True stories from inside the courthouse from the lady who wrote everything down. Case dismissed. (laughs) 